Here's Goff looking to his left and throwing that way. It is caught. Touchdown. Josh Reynolds. And the Rams strike first. On the ground. Here's there Brown. Is. There he is. Touchdown. Rams. Foles looking back of the end zone and it's intercepted. Troy Hill tipped the ball and Taylor Rapp on the interception. Worst possible scenario for the Bears. Flip it to Patterson. Left side and he won't get there. What a play. Terrell Lewis. Foles throwing and it's intercepted. Picked off on the sideline. It is Jalen Ramsey. This is Andy Mazur, the podcast. Welcome in to another edition of Andy Mays with the podcast here, our fourth episode of the season, and uh, we'll switch gears a little bit here. We've been talking a lot of baseball, and uh, as we record here on a uh, Tuesday, October 27th, game six of the World Series will be coming up later tonight with the Dodgers having a chance to uh, end things and win their first title since 1988. But uh, more on the minds of, I think, Chicago fans these days is the way the Bears played or didn't play in uh, yesterday's game, last night's game on Monday Night Football against the Los Angeles Rams. And uh, I wanted to get somebody on here that uh, knew a little bit about the Bears and uh, felt a little passion about the Bears as well. And uh, the one guy I zeroed in on was uh, Jared Payton. Uh, Jared and I have known each other for uh, quite some time here, getting to work together a little bit at CLTV and WGN Television, as well as WGN Radio as well. Uh, but uh, JP, uh, thanks for taking the time. Really appreciate it. Uh, I know you got a chance to watch the game last night, and unfortunately, Chicago did not fare all that well on the national stage. No, they didn't. And uh, I knew it was going to be a tough one, Maze, just because, you know, you're going up against a Rams defense with Aaron Donald and a front seven that can get after the quarterback in the Bears' inability to run the ball and to pass protect. I knew it was going to be an issue. And that's what we saw last night. And, you know, you got to be able to win in the trenches. You have to. Like, on the offensive side and defensive side of the ball. And if you can't do that, you can't be a championship team. And, you know, all season long, and I knew it was going to be a tough task, but every game that I've been breaking down or previewing games, I'm always like, yo, they, they got to find a way to run the ball. I know I sound like a broken record and they haven't been able to. And, you know, some of that blame I think goes with the offensive line. And I guess if you're going to put onto that, I'm not blaming David Montgomery, but he is a part of that equation with them. And he, I don't think he should get a lot of the blame because for me, it's more of watching how the scheme and how they run the football. And Matt Nagy has the opportunity to be able to change that. If you see something, Andy, in the game that's not working, you need to change it. And over the last couple of years since Matt Nagy has taken over the head coaching job here in Chicago, he hasn't changed a lot of stuff up. And we're talking about the NFL. We're talking about some of the best athletes in the world. We're talking about some of the best football minds in the world. And year to year, defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators, they're watching film on their opponents coming up the next year. And the good defensive coordinators find a way to be able to take whatever you do that's good and find a way to put a kibosh on it. Most of them can't. And how you do things over the years, if you don't switch it up, it's, the blame's on you. And that's my issue. My issue is don't try to be the smartest guy in the room. Don't think that I'm just gonna, we're going to keep doing this because it's going to eventually work. No, switch it up. And if you're a great coach, then you find ways to get your guys into situations to be successful. If your offensive line is having, having trouble straight up front as soon as they're coming off and you're running ISO plays, then switch it up a little bit. I've watched the Rams. Sean McVay came up with an unbelievable game plan. He was like, yo, this is what we're going to do. We're going to stretch you out. And we're, we're also going to run the jet sweep. So you're going to have to find a way to be able to take away either one or the other. But if we get this run game going, the jet sweep's going to come in. And he found, they found ways to switch it up. The Bears, that's what I'm saying. If you're, if you're having trouble at the point of attack, let's move it a little bit. Let's get your guys moving and let your running back find lanes on either long stretch plays, um, you know, the – outside zone, whatever it is, 
try to figure out how to put David Montgomery in situations to be successful. Matt Nagy hasn't figured that out yet. And um, so I know I'm long-winded, but I have to go on to the next part, the next tier. Hold up. So there's another tier. <laughs> so the next tier goes to Ryan Pace. And he's not calling plays, but he is helping select the guys that are on the football field. And so Matt Nagy, yeah, he deserves some blame, but he's, he also has to work with what he has. And what he has right now is an offensive line that has been, you know, put Band-Aids on just to try to fix, oh, we'll, we'll go get this guy here. We'll go get this guy here. Well, we really won't address it until later in the draft. No, man. You can't do that. Like, you, you have to know what you're going to do. And I know you have these guys, these, these everybody's like, oh, we got more wide receivers. We got more skill position players. If, if your quarterback, whoever it is, back there under center, doesn't have enough time to throw to those guys, what's the good of having them on the football field? And so that's where some of the blame goes to Ryan Pace because he knew what, that, that this was an issue. We all knew that the Bears' offensive line was a, was a bunch of question marks coming into this season. And that's the reason why I think last night hurt so bad because it became reality. And I think not only did Bears fans see it, but the world saw it on the biggest stage. Yeah, there's so much to digest there. But let me start with uh, let me start with Nagy real quick too, because you know there seems to be a stubbornness about this guy. I mean, I've met him; he's a great guy, he's a real personable human being, and uh, you know I, I like him as a as a guy. But you know, watching him call plays continuously that are not working—the Cordero Patterson play on fourth down. You need a run. You need you need one yard. So let's pitch it five yards back and let a non-running back try to make a play. I mean, it's just it just it just seems like okay. Well, they're not expecting this, but yeah, they are expecting this because you continue to do it and it never works. Yeah, it's that that was an issue for me because when you have a guy like David Montgomery who is battling in every almost every single running play, I mean, there's someone in his face. So we haven't been able to see what he does special. And what he does special is when he gets to the second level his ability to be able to use his feet and finish runs. So he's fighting for every single yard. He's fighting just to get back to the line of scrimmage, trying to get him to the second, third level. I mean, I would love to be able to see that, but we haven't. So people are putting blame on him. I don't care who you are. I mean, you could, you, you could have, I mean, you could have all the guys that you talk about in the league back in the backfield. And I think they would all have the same issues with, the offensive line and the blocking scheme and how things are going. With Matt Nagy, though, it is a stubbornness. There, there's this, you know, I feel like I'm the smartest guy in the room. And if you listen to the broadcast on Monday night, Andy, the one thing that jumped out to me is listening to those guys in the booth talk about Sean McVay. And what did he do? He decided that, listen, maybe it's time for a change. Maybe I'm not supposed to be calling plays. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to relinquish those duties, give them to somebody else, and I'm going to do what I do best. And what I do best is managing this football team and making sure that everybody's upbeat and I'm talking to my coaches up there to figure out you can still have, as a head coach, you can still have input of plays that are called, but maybe you don't do it because it's right now it's not, it hasn't been working. And over the time, and I said this today, and like it's really, it's been on my heart. It's so crazy. It's like I was, I was eating lunch, and as I was eating, I was talking on the phone with one of my boys, and I said something and literally dropped my fork and knife. And I was like, holy cow, that's true. Every time that I talk to people about Matt Nagy, they say nine times out of ten, they say one thing all the time. He is a great leader. He's a great leader all the time. I always hear it. He's a great leader. You talk to guys inside that organization, he's a player's coach, great leader, love playing for him. I'd run through a wall for him. One thing that I have never heard, never, Andy, he's a great play caller. Never heard that once. No, and you're not never. going to. <laughs> no, so, so, so to me, it's like, I know that, does, that doesn't mean that it's, it's correct, but there's something to say about that. And so maybe it is time. And, and you think about it as a head coach, too, as well. The reason why Ryan Pace brought him here is because of the tree that he was under. And you look at all the other coaches that are coming off of that Andy Reid tree, and they all are calling plays. And 
maybe it would seem like, well, you brought me here to do this and I'm going to keep doing it. Well, no, you know what? Maybe it's time to change it up. And also that gives you more shelf life as well. Things aren't going well. You have an OC that's commonplace. Yeah, the heat's on you a little bit, but not as much. Because right now there's a lot of heat on Matt Nagy. And I saw it last night on my Twitter feed and I love him to death. I think he's an amazing man. But I think it's just, it's time. It's time to give the duties up to somebody else. You know, and to me, it wouldn't be a, a sign of weakness if he did decide to give it up because, you know, he's a young coach. I mean, this is uh, his first go around as far as being a, a head coach in the NFL. And there's so much to worry about from play to play, wondering about the groupings, wondering about, okay, is it fourth and manageable? Can I go for it? I mean, do, am, I, am I punting here? I mean, I mean, there's so many other things that go into being a head coach in the NFL, as you know, that you add that other responsibility and it kind of, I don't, I don't want to say gets in the way, but you're not clearly thinking about things because you're worrying about that next play. Is that, is that kind of accurate? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so much that goes on for a head coach and just being a former player. I just know that just, you know, be on the offensive side of the ball, you know, every single play when you come off and now it's a little bit more technical because you have like the iPads or whatever on the sidelines and you can see the cutoffs, like everything is different, but there's a lot of communication that's going on. And I know he's not managing the defense, but it's a lot to manage an offense, especially manage an offense that's really not working. And I think it's just, I think it's a lot. It's a lot on him. I think he gets stressed out a little bit and, you know, it's those times where he's trying to, he's not being able to do what I think he does best. And that is manage his team. And I think there's something to say about that. That's, that's a tough deal. I mean, everybody thinks that I watched, you know, the cut, cutaways and cut twos of, of Sean McVay and watching how he was going up and down the sideline and his ability to be able to go talk. And, you know, during a tough time, right, let's just say the defense has been out on the field and they're frustrated. And I've been in situations where I was on an offense in Miami that wasn't putting up numbers, but our defense was balling. And then defense came off the field and they were ticked off at us. They were ticked off at the offense. Like, dude, what are you guys doing? Like, dude, we're out here getting stops, holding them to field goals, getting interceptions, forced fumbles, and you guys can't put no points on the board? Like, you don't want those things to start creeping into your locker room. And I would say in my heart that that team, that Bears team is strong. I think they care about each other, but you cannot tell me that some of those defensive guys aren't coming off like that. So just imagine if Nagy could go over and talk to both sides of the ball and really be there and say, listen, this is what we need you to do because that's what he does. He, he, he puts people at ease. He can calm you down. He can get you back focused. He can talk, sit and talk and have maybe some more conversation with his quarterback. And I feel like that those conversations that we hear, because Nagy's been talking about the relationship with him and Nick Foles, in practice, that's easy. You know, when you've got a script in your hand and you got time to come over and then Trubisky goes in to run some plays and you're like, all right, what do you think here? In the game, it's bang, bang, bang. You don't have time to do that. So I just believe one of his best skills could be used a lot more if he didn't have that sheet in his hand. And um, do you remember that, that picture of Nagy sitting in that war room for the draft with all those plays all over the place. Yes. And it made it, it made him look like a mad scientist, right? I'm wondering, could you pull some of those plays off the wall and see if they work in the game? Because you gotta, you gotta change it up. And so hopefully his stubbornness will not stay in the way. And hopefully he can, find a way because to me it's not a sign of weakness it would be a sign of strength that he understands what he's better at and it doesn't mean that you have to give it up forever that's not that's not what we're saying what change things around because eventually this organization is relying on how good this defense is and that's been that way Andy for years it's been like that for years but sure, right Peyton, now joining us here yeah he's yeah. he's he's battling Andy to figure out a way with a below average offensive line and an average quarterback right now, he's trying to get it done and he just can't get it done right now. It's too hard. JP, I think a lot of people are frustrated with the fact that, you know, we kind of alluded to this earlier in our chat about, uh, about the running game because, you know, it's always been 
run sets up pass, usually not the other way around where pass sets up run. I mean, your dad ran behind some, some very suspect lines, but yet they still tried to establish a run game. I mean, you look now through the, through the, the couple of years here with Matt Nagy, I mean, Jordan Howard is a pretty good running back uh, and basically was not used. Uh, David Montgomery, pretty decent little running back from what we've seen in glimpses, but you're not really going to be able to tell exactly what kind of a guy he is unless you use him, uh, especially at the beginning of a game, just to kind of set the tone saying, hey, listen, we're going to try to run this ball down your throat. And as soon as you get to the point where you're, you're, you're playing eight in the box against the run, we're going to chuck one down the field because Foles has the arm where he can go down the field. Yeah, it's, it's been hard because they haven't had success on those early downs. First and second down runs have been – it's been tough. And so with, with Matt Nagy, he already, he already kind of despises the run. Just from outside looking in, it's not his thing. He'd rather maybe throw a bubble screen or something like that and see if he can get three, four yards. I get that. I understand that that's the new age offenses in the NFL. But you got to be able to run the football. And it, it just goes back to the teams where you're looking at teams that have always had success. And over time, I've seen the, the evolution of when, you know, last couple years for Tom Brady in, in, in New England. It's the same thing. Like, they went back to one point, a fullback and a running back, two back set, and we're just going to pound it on you and just figure it out. They had the horses up front to be able to get that done. Bears don't have the horses. So if you can't run the ball with David Montgomery, you got to find ways to put the ball in his hand. And so I posted on Twitter before Monday night's game, a video, my dad against uh, the Bears against the Rams and just the screen game and how that slows up a pass rush. And I think maybe last night, uh, Monday night, I saw one screenplay that didn't really go anywhere, but it's mixing those things and giving, getting the ball in his hands. We've seen that he has the ability to be special, uh, but the lack of run not only is a part of the offensive line, it's also because they get behind in ball games. And when they get behind in ball games, we've seen this Bears team all season long have to fight back to come back in the end and win. And the hardest part is Matt Nagy looks at it and, it just plays into to what he loves to do, and that's throw the football. And so if you're down, the run is so far back in his mind, he's not even really worried about it. And that's why you got to establish. And you're going up now, you start to look at the teams that you have to play. You know, you have the Saints and you have the Titans. You got to be able to keep those quarter, opposing quarterbacks off the field. The only way to do it is sustain drives. And the only way to do that really – without throwing the ball, is running the football. So I just don't know where it's going to come from, Andy. I really don't. But, I mean, this – I said this three-game stretch was going to be a big one, and they needed to win two out of three. They lost the first one. Now they got, they got a tough task. I mean, this is, it, this is not going to be easy. Yeah, no, that's the truth. I mean, and, you know, you would think with your, your big commodity being your defense – and seeing how now sometimes late in games they're wearing down because they're on the field so much that that would be such an obvious thing to be able to, to control the clock, uh, to control the time of possession and keep Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks and guys like that fresh for when you really need them late in the game. And I mean, I, I admire the way that they played yesterday because it's not often that you're going to see a defense outscore an offense. And it's not often you're going to see a high powered offense like the Rams be held to field goals in situations where they're used to scoring. Yeah, I mean, it's – I got to give, you know, hats off to the defense. It just – there were certain points, Monday night's game, where I really – you know, the lack of tackling and how, you know, this this defense, Ben don't break. Eventually, they're going to have games where they break. And that's where you need your offense to be able to pick you up. And I don't know, it's just, it's just hard because they still find a way, Andy. They always do. They find a way to, like, grind it out. And they're so competitive on the defensive side of the ball. Their biggest issue in games that they played this season is stopping the run. They, they, if they can, if they could put a clamp on that, it'd be, it'd be huge. And I think, you know, one of the biggest things that we're not talking about, and I think it's a, it's a big deal. Eddie Goldman was a big part of that. I mean, you can, you know, we talk about Akeem Hicks and how disruptive he is. 
Um, but not having Eddie Goldman, I think, is a, is a big, big problem when it comes to stopping the run because of what he did for that Bears defense when it came to the run game. And so, I don't know. They're going to they're gonna have to keep it up, and they're going to have to stay healthy too because if they're going to not only have to stop opposing offenses and also go back to that mentality of 2018 where they're not only just getting takeaways but turning those into points, that's a, that's a lot to ask for a defense to do for a long season. And we know how long a football season is. It, that's not going to happen on a week-to-week basis. And so I know that th- that's what they strive for. But you also have to help them out because once they get over on the sideline and start getting some Gatorade to get back on the field again because it's three and out, eventually they're going to get tired. And we saw that at points last, last night in the game. And it's, to me, it was just too rough. What do you make of the uh, the relationship right now between Nick Foles and Matt Nagy? I mean, they seem to be on the same page at times, and they seem to not be on the same page at times. And then there was a commentary last night uh, in the game by Brian Greasy talking about some of the plays that were coming in that Foles realizes he doesn't have enough time to run. Nagy doesn't understand that. I, I guess it was kind of taken a little out of context, but you know, the, the point is, it's a thing. I mean, there's something out there that says that Foles and Maggie together aren't gelling maybe the way people thought they would. Well, I, I think there is some truth to the comments that Greasy was making on the telecast. I really do. I think, I mean, we saw it. It's, it's evident when you watch the game, when you watch the film. And there's just times where there could have been some balls that were thrown, especially a couple, two to Mooney, um, just that were, that were sailed or because there were, he wasn't able to kind of look at where he was throwing, but also there was so much pressure coming in his face. And so, I mean, there's got to be certain ways to be able to change things up. And I don't want to sound like a broken record, <laughs> but I, I, just think it's, I just think it's so key and it's so simple, but the Bears have a hard time doing it, and I understand why. But a lot of that pressure would be taken off if they could run the football. I mean, it takes everything off. And that was that – was, that was the, the idea coming into the season with Mitchell Trubisky as QB1. I was like, man, take the pressure off him, run the football, and don't put it on him to have to use his arm to beat teams. That's just not, that's just not a good way to have to try to win football games. But then last night I was watching, and I was, as I was watching Jared Goff, and I was watching that Rams offense, I'm thinking into my head, this is, this is what the Bears should have been running with Trubisky. Like these play, these are the plays. These are the plays that stretch with the boot, the throw to the tight end going in the flat, or he could run with it. Like what? Where? Where are? Where is? Where are those plays? Like like. Where's and, Cole Komet? Yeah, where's Cole Komet? And it goes back. To, it goes back to Nagy because it's like, yo, this is my system. This is what we run. Yeah, but this guy does this really well. Like he really throws well moving out of the pocket. Why don't you see more of that? Those are the questions that I have. And those are the questions that haven't been answered yet. And man, there's, there's a lot of questions that this Bears team's going to have to answer, Andy. And I just, I don't know. If, I don't know if they have the answers. And it looked it real, real good. It looked so good coming in to that Monday night game five and one, but we all knew that the true test was going to be the back end of the schedule. Could this team hold up? And right now it's not looking so good. So a quick thought on Nagy. Does he, in fact, at any point this year, give up the play calling duties in your opinion? No, he does not. I don't think he does. I think he is, uh, he's stuck on that he's going to find a way to fix this. And I get it. I understand. I might not like it. I might not respect it, but I get it. Um, I think it's, I think it's time. I think it's time. I think he needs to get doing what he's so good at doing and, um, taking some pressure off of him as well. You could tell after these games this year, man, you could just tell from year one to this year when you see him, yeah. you could tell, man, after games, Andy, it's weighing on him, man. Yeah. There's a little more gray in the beard. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. It's weighing on him, and it, it's it's tough, man, because you have a city that is just starving for, for greatness when it comes to, you know, football. Like we, you, you and I know, man, it, this is 
baseball is 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 big here in Chicago. We got two teams, but when it comes to football, man, it's like that's everybody's team, and we <laughs> we just want to see something that we haven't seen in a long time, and it's hard because we can't we can't do anything about it, and now you start looking at how drafts right we always talk it's crazy because we're in this in this mode right now with like election and all this other stuff and you can see everybody's always like hey elections have consequences right they always say that elections yep. have consequences go out and vote that's what you that's what you can do right for us it's like buying gear going to games supporting our squad that's what we can do but the dudes that are upstairs, they make the decisions. And you can just see how one decision that did not turn out the way that they hoped it would, which was moving up to get Mitchell Trubisky, how that has changed the dynamics of this organization and where we are. Like where we are and how, how like to even think about like, how, where do we go from here? Like where literally where do we go from here? Because there's other teams right now that are, and I and I'm not for one to like say, oh, we're gonna tank and do this. Nah, man, you want to go out, you want to win. I get that. I'm all about that. But you see other teams, Cowboys, they're setting themselves up for Trevor Lawrence. You know what I mean? Like they're 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 just they're in they're they're trying to figure out because you start to look at these quarterbacks that are that are coming out, Justin Fields, these, these guys that you can tell by just watching them in college and the big programs that they're in that it's all going to translate over to the NFL. Like you just can tell. And now we're sitting here at a position where Trubisky's going to be gone next year. And then what, now what, now what we've been, we've been waiting for 10 to get it done. We've been waiting for so long and to have a conversation with my mom just about she said, Jared, I've been here since the 70s when your dad got drafted, 75. She's like, man, I've been waiting to see, like, that big-time franchise quarterback. She's like, I've never seen it. And I almost dropped my phone. So I'm like, man, I was born in 80, and I haven't seen it. So that's where it starts. And we see it now more than ever in the NFL, Andy. If you don't have that guy, you're not going anywhere. No, it's the truth. I mean, I'll, I'll date myself. I'm, I'm, I'm born in 67, and I haven't seen it. So let's put it to you. That's been how long it's been. I mean, Jim McMahon might have been the closest thing to a guy that could get it done because he was so energetic and so, well, Jim McMahon, if you will. But, uh, yeah, he was not a franchise type of a quarterback. You couldn't, you couldn't put all the horses uh, and all the pressure on him. I mean, he had, he had people around him, like your dad, Willie Galt, and other guys like that. But uh, there has never been a commitment, really, to go out and get that guy. I mean, if you really honestly thought that you're drafting, uh, you know, trading up for a guy nobody wanted to draft him and say, this is your franchise guy, I, I have to question what you were actually thinking about. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And I, I just don't know. <laughs> I did my homework. I did all my homework. And I just, it's the one thing that I just can't let go. And it's hard. I can't, I can't let it go. And I, I love Trubisky. I think he's, he, he's a great kid. He really is. He's been amazing to me um, through the time of getting to know him. And since he put on a Bears uniform, he's worked hard. He's, uh, you know, kept out of trouble. He's done all the things that you want. Uh, the one thing that you hoped for was you were going to see that progression. And it just never happened. And the only thing that I'm hoping for is that he has an opportunity to go somewhere else and, you know, shine somewhere else. You know, it didn't work out here. And I'm, I will never hold that against him because I know he did whatever he could to be able to get it done. It just didn't work. It just didn't work. And so my hope is that he gets an opportunity to really like redeem himself and go somewhere and, and, and have a good career and, and, and kind of figure it out because He's even said it. He said it. He said it on a podcast. Like he didn't. He didn't choose himself. The Bears got him. You know what I mean? Like this was Ryan. This was Ryan Pace having that conviction that this is this is that guy. 
And the hard part is, is that people and Bears fans tell me all the time, and we both know this, is that the two other guys that went right, right after him, man, their resumes were a lot thicker than his. And that's just that, – that I, just, I just will always have a hard time, like, getting over that. And I think a lot of Bears fans kind of – they feel the same way I do. Sure, Peyton joining us here. And uh, you, you, you can tell the passion, obviously. You've, you've grown up around the organization. And now, you know, you have the, uh, the ability to, uh, to kind of speak about it, too, with, the, with a platform on, uh, and being in the media. I mean, I know you have a great relationship with the organization itself, uh, but, you know, you also have a responsibility to your viewers and uh, to your listeners and, and that uh, to, to kind of tell it like it is. And I, I, I kind of appreciate that about, about the way you handle things because you are so entrenched in that organization uh, and yet you still have the ability to, you know, not take digs at them, but yet you can, you can point out what's wrong. Yeah, we can't. We have to. It was a struggle, Andy, for from the beginning once I got into the business because, you know, I just – I didn't know how to handle it because you do have relationships with people, especially on, on this team. You know, there's guys that I have relationships with. And so the one thing that I've always learned, and I had a chance to be around guys, you know, who I've had conversations with to try to figure this out. And guys you and I both are close with, you know, David Kaplan and – you know, just having Harry Tynowitz and talking with guys, and they would always tell me the exact same thing. You're in a unique situation. Not only did you play the game, but also your dad played on this team here in Chicago. You have a relationship. So I think the biggest thing is, is that you don't take digs at guys and you don't call them out their name, but you got to be honest and you got to speak the truth. And that's what I was always going to do. And so as a player, I respected that from other people that were covering me. You know, there was times in Canada right before in like 07, you know, when I was playing in Montreal, they had, they had two papers, you know, one in French and then one, one in English. And so I didn't know what they were saying about me in the French paper, <laughs> but, but I knew that if I wanted to change what they were writing, I had to play better. Just did. And there was times that I played well and there was times that I didn't play so well. And, you know, if I wanted to change that narrative, I needed to change the way that I was playing. I need to pick up my game a little bit more. And so that's how I've kind of handled this situation of being, you know, in the media. But the hardest part is because I am so passionate about the Bears and I love them to death that it's hard sometimes to separate. It really is. It just, it's hard for me to separate because I woke up you know, after Monday night's game, and I was just, I was just a bad mood. Because like most Bears fans, I live and die by this team. Like, this team gets me going like five and one, if you would have seen me like even on my newscast, like I'm just, I, normally everybody else is so buttoned up. And like, <laughs> I've changed the game when it comes to TV for me, especially here in this city, like, I'm gonna do me. And what makes so because people who are watching, they want to see me. I'm not going to be like everybody else who I watched growing up. So, like, the other day, last week, I started one of uh, my 4 o'clock newscasts, and I was like, the Bears are 5-1. and one. Man, doesn't that sound good, Bears fans? You know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. talking to them in that feeling because that's how I feel. And so to, to see, you know, I want them – all I want is success. All I want to see them play well. All I want to do – is talk good about the Bears, but you, at some point, you when you don't see things and you know the game, you got to point stuff out, and you got to be fair, and that's what I'm trying to do is be fair and not put the blame just on one person, especially in bad times. You you got to point it out to to everybody, and those positions that aren't playing well, they got to step their game up, man. This is the Andy. This is the NFL, man. Yes, it is. <laughs> not like listen. This is not college football where it's like, oh yeah, you know, this team's good. The discrepancy between really good teams and the bad teams, it's it's not that far because you got some of the best athletes that are walking the face of this earth. And if you can get to the NFL, dude, you you better like pat yourself on the back. I don't care if you're there for a year, two years, twelve years. Just to be able to get there is tough. And so, you know, you got to man up. Like you getting paid too, just like the dude across from you is getting paid. Like you step your game up. I know you're not gonna beat Aaron Donald every single time, but there's you're gonna have to beat him sometimes, and you gotta figure it out. 
and and that's just the, that's just the name of the game, man. And I think that's what makes great teams great. I think that's what makes great players great. Cause they don't really care. They don't see, you know, how much a person's making or you know, defensive player of the year. They're like, yo, I'm gonna win some of these battles. You're gonna win some of these battles. But my goal is to win more of them during this game because it's a battle, and we're gonna figure it out. Every once in a while, my son asks me what game am I gonna break it in. <laughs> but <laughs> what do you, you tell him? I told him, wait till the press conference on Wednesday. <laughs> Galt wide to the left. They send McKinnon in motion through to the left side. Quick pitch to Walter. Looking for the record. Cuts back. He's got it. He's out over the 25 to the 26-yard line. Walter Payton becomes the National Football League all-time leading rusher, surpassing Jim Brown on his second carry here in the second half. And that's the equivalent to Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's all-time home run record. And listen to the standing ovation. You know, you have had some unique opportunities to to experience some things that not a lot of people have been able to experience in their lives. You have a Hall of Fame uh, father as, as a running back for one of the charter franchises in the National Football League. And, you know, you were around him quite a bit. And you got to introduce him at the Hall of Fame. I mean, you were around other athletes, too, because everybody wanted a piece of, <laughs> a piece of your dad. Uh, what, what was that like growing up? in that uh, in that aspect and and just kind of uh understanding who your dad was and how popular your dad was and it was uh it was kind of like the gift and the curse i i always say because you know it's it's always cool that your dad is well known but then also not only is he yours he's everybody else's and that's one of the things that you know, i always had to learn as a kid you know everybody wanted the peace pops man so it was hard to go places but my dad he did a really really good job at making sure that he gave me my sister and my mom the time that we needed and made sure that he was around as much as possible and so you know for me I really got my dad and I was old enough to understand who he was after he was playing you know I was seven when he retired so I didn't really I got it but I didn't really get it and as I got older I started to understand more and more about him. It's funny though, because I would say over the last 10 years is when I really, really like have a better understanding about who he is from talking to friends of his and former teammates and business associates and like coaches. Like you find out more as you get older because people are willing to tell you like more stories, you know, like stuff that they wouldn't tell you back in the day. And I remember it was my sister's wedding and it was Dennis Gentry, Thomas Sanders, um, Matt Suey, and we're all sitting around at a table. And I was like, yo, guys, tell me something. <laughs> my pops. And they were telling me about this one game. It was in the 80s. My dad sprained his ankle. And he said his ankle like swelled up like, like just like a beach ball. And he left in a boot after a Sunday game. And he's like, so Thomas Sanders and Dennis Gentry were like, they were, they were practicing the next week. Like they were going to get the start. And they said, man, we didn't see your dad Monday. We didn't see him Tuesday. We didn't see him Wednesday. We didn't see him Thursday. We didn't see him Friday. And we didn't see him on Saturday for the walkthrough. He's like, but Sunday came and we got to the field and he showed up and ended up rushing for a hundred yards. And he was like, yo, it was the craziest thing because none of us thought he was going to play. And it's stuff like that that makes you think about, man, like, man, he did whatever it took to be able to get the job done. And he did not want to have anything. He wanted to go full go. And he wanted to give his best. And so for me, as a dad now, as a business owner, as, you know, a, a TV personality, that's just the way that I've been attacking everything. Like, I'm just gonna do more than everybody else. Cause I, that's what I saw him do. He just did more. Like he worked harder than everybody else. Like his, yeah, he, he didn't have like, he might not have been the best runner, but it didn't matter. By the time he got done, he gained the most yards. He didn't have to be the best runner. Like, yo, he found a way out. Like he, 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 he did everything and he tried to get good at everything he could. And so that's what I try to do too. Is like, yo, I'm just going to try to outwork everybody. And I've started to see that it really has, like, it's paid off. And it's not for everybody. 
it's not for everybody, Andy, because you see it. No matter if we're, we're talking about a city where we've had the luxury of really seeing like the superior athletes, not like just the ones that are like good. We're talking about, I'm talking about the best of the best goats, the goats, you know, the dudes, the goats that graze out there in the pasture, just chilling. We've seen some goats. And to be great, I've started to understand that, yo, you, you cannot be like everybody else. Like your habits, you have to have different habits. So you literally almost have to be obsessed, like literally obsessed with like being great. And Jordan, my dad, those two, they were obsessed with being great. Like everything that they put out when they got onto the field or to the court, they wanted that person, whoever was watching at that time to be like, there was no doubt that they were the best on their playing surface when they were out there. And that takes a lot, man. And not everybody wants to sacrifice because you got to sacrifice something. Like you're going to have to give up something and to be that great. And it could be a relationship with your family. could be a relationship with your friends. could be not going on vacation. Could all, whatever it is, you're going to have to sacrifice something. And to see how my dad worked and having a better understanding of who he is now, man, as, as you know, about to be 40 this year, man, it's a, uh, the respect level that I have for my dad is through the roof, man, because it didn't matter. He could have a separated shoulder, ankle swelled up. He was the still going to play. He was going to show up. <laughs> Huge. Yeah. I mean, the game against the, the Vikings, 275 yards with 103 temperature, 102 temperature, whatever it was as the legend grows longer, taller on down the line. But still, I mean, a lot of guys would be sitting in the training room uh, with the, the hot water bottle there on the back of their neck and uh, they wouldn't be running. I would. That would be me. I'll catch you guys next week. I'm cool. Yeah, I'm done. Tap, tap me out. But, you know, the thing that impresses me the most, I mean, you're your own guy. And, you know, you're trying to be the first Jared Payton rather than the second Walter Payton. I tell a lot of kids in broadcasting, too, you know, that there are a lot of people that they admire as they go through. I mean, Jack Brickhouse is one of my idols, but I'm not Jack Brickhouse, and I can't be Jack Brickhouse. I got, it's, a, it's enough struggle to be the first me let alone the second somebody else. And you really embrace that. Yeah, I, I really have, Andy. It's been a process and you just got to figure it out. I think my dad would always tell me, you know, don't be like me, be better than me. And so I've always really taken that to heart. And I didn't know what he was talking about when I was younger. I get it now just because I'm older now. Like he was just talking about as a person and how you treat people and uh, to me, it's simple. I know to everybody else in our world and our climate right now, everybody's like, it's so tough. But man, I just, I've always been that way that I don't care how much money you have. I don't care what you look like. If you respect me, I'm going to respect you. So I hope you respect me. And I'm always going to show respect. And I think it go just goes a long way. And, you know, a lot of people, I wasn't the smartest. I got my degree in liberal arts at University of Miami. I didn't know what I was going to do, but to see what uh, my wife and I have created, you know, over the 11 years we've been married and what we both have done. And man, it's, 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 it's a testament to just hard work, man, and figuring it out. And still, I get people always saying that I'm living off of this and living off of that and your dad. And, you know, I was like, man, are you serious? Like, if people really knew, like, if they really knew the grind, they would be, it, it would it, they would be dumbfounded because I mean people forget Andy man like my dad was he made money but he didn't make money like these dudes are making money now okay so he made like his last year he made like 1.5 right in in the 80s late in the late 80s it's not this crazy money so it's it's been good though because I I don't mind working and I don't I don't mind grinding and. That's what you got to do, man. And if you want to separate yourself, you want to create yourself, then you got to figure it out. Know what you're passionate about. You got to work towards it. And you can't worry about what other people say. You just got to keep doing you. And that's what I've really, I've gotten better at. I've gotten better at doing that. And plus, over the last year, I've really, with COVID, I've, I've stepped back a little bit. I was like real, you know me, I'm social media guy. And like, I've like stepped back and taken some time where, there are certain days where I don't tweet maybe for like a couple days, you know, and like just giving my, like really connecting back with myself and not always worried about whatever. Oh, I got to put something out. I got to put something out. I got to post this. I got to do that just to be relevant. Well, 
I kind of sat back a little bit and it's been good for me because I think we all get caught up into trying to create our brands and be a brand and do this and do that. Like I get it, but sometimes you got to take time for yourself too, because if you don't know who you are, then how can you grow? You can't grow because there's good things and there's bad things. There's things that when you look at yourself, it's not all going to be good. There's things that you got to work on. And for me, I haven't shied away from those things. And I've really had to really look in the mirror and say, these are things I got to work on, not just at business, but just in life as well. So it's a process. Yeah, you're the, uh, the hashtag rise and grind. And you uh, not only to put it down there, but you live it. <laughs> you got to, man. It's, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, it's funny. I took that hashtag at one point and then turned it into a, a, a product, a, a coffee. Yeah, like coffee. We, did that for, we did that for like four years. It's not there anymore. But just the fact that, you know, you can take something in your mind. And so all these young kids out here, people that have dreams and aspirations, like don't, don't just look at something and say, oh, I can't do that, man. Try to take your dreams or a vision that you have and turn it into reality. You can do it. It might not happen like in the time period that you're hoping it's going to happen, but if you put the work in, you can find a way. And I think a lot of it though, Andy, if people don't think they don't talk about this enough, it's about relationships, man. Like people that you meet and people that, you know, that see you and believe in you, they give you, that give you an opportunity. There's in this business we're in, I can't tell you the opportunities that I've had just by people believing in me because that didn't know me, but maybe followed me on Twitter and like, I'm going to give you a shot. Like I got a shot at ESPN doing uh, sports nation, the college football show um, in Bristol, just on my Twitter account. This one of uh, the head of talent um, at in Bristol followed me. We, I went to a NFL broadcast boot camp, didn't make it. And, um, didn't make the cut, but my group was like the best, was the best group. And um, some other guys ended up getting, getting gigs and I didn't. But the fact that, oh, Nate Burleson, he got, he, he look where he, he was in my group. Look where he's at, right? Um, I forgot who else was in my group, but I know they're on NFL Network. I forgot who it is, but my, my group was good. Next thing you know, I get a call from that guy and he hits me up and says, I want you to come out here and have an opportunity to, to, uh, to try out for this show. And I was like, what is it? It's like, well, it's college football show, sports nation, but basically your show, the, your, your audition is going to be live show. Cause we're going to do the ACC and SEC. And I was like, what? <laughs> and that's how I got a chance to meet Cassidy Hubbard. And man, like it's those opportunities. You just never know that you got to be able to be ready for anything that comes your way. Probably a good place to stop because I could probably ask you about 75,000 more questions because I, I, I really enjoyed talking to you. I mean, forget about that on this podcast, just in general. We uh, got to know each other a little bit better with the, uh, the <laughs> Dear Departed Sports Feed show, which was a lot of fun to work with you over at uh, CLTV. And uh, I, you know, I, admired you from, I admired you from afar at first and then got to know you a little bit, which has uh, made it even more incredible for me just to be able to have an opportunity to spend a little time with you here and uh, the time that we've actually gotten to spend together in, in person. Well, Andy, you're one of the best, man. I, I appreciate you. I appreciate your, your friendship. I love how hard you work. And like I always say, man, it's just, you know, you, you are who you hang with. So, you know, like-minded people, that's how you get things done. That's how you treat, achieve greatness. And that's, it's people like you that push me to keep doing things. And hopefully I'm doing the same for you as well. Like, we never want to just get stagnant. We want people to push us and push us to like get the best out of, you know, ourselves. And so that's why having people like you in my life and it just, it's cool. And it's cool for me to like be in my neighborhood or be in my community and people come up to me and they're like, man, you know, Andy Mazur? Oh man, he's <laughs> one of my favorites. And that makes me feel good. I'm like, yo, that's my boy, man. That's, that's my guy. Please tell him hello. I'm like, I'll definitely do that. I'll say what's up for you, man. And it's, a, it's, it's us being friends, but also pushing each other to always strive for greatness, man. It just reminded me of one quick story, too, that uh, I, I get a phone call from Jared one night. I see his name come up on the caller ID. And uh, next thing I know, I'm talking to the mayor of St. Charles. <laughs> it's like, what's going on here? 
<laughs> he's a huge Sox fan. He loves you, man. So he, I just saw him not too long ago. We filmed something. He was like, please tell, give Andy my best. I'm like, I'll tell Andy. I'll definitely will. That's great. And, you know, you mentioned push, push you, too. I mean, you actually did push me on the set one day, and it was thankfully you did because I was in the way of the, the shot. Always in my way all the time, <laughs> trying to be all up in my grill, Andy. Come on, yeah, man. Exactly right. JP, man, thanks so much. I really appreciate the time. Appreciate you, man. Jarrett Payton, kind enough to join us here on Andy Major the Podcast. And, of course, you can follow Jarrett on uh, his various social media platforms. Twitter seems to be the one that uh, is probably the best way to get to him. It's at Peyton Sun, and that's S-U-N. So it's at Peyton Sun, S-U-N. And uh, again, you can catch him on WGN television as well as he uh, anchors the 4 o'clock sportscast Monday through Friday on WGN television. Appreciate him taking some time. Appreciate you listening once again. Hopefully you're uh, deciding to subscribe to our podcast, which uh, again is in its fourth episode. Plan to have quite a few more. We'll get to uh, another episode coming up here very shortly as well. Uh, You can also follow me on Twitter at Andy underscore Mazur and the number one at Andy underscore Mazur is M-A-S-U-R for those that don't know. And the number one, you can follow me there on Twitter, probably the best way to uh, to get a hold of me. Also, if you go to the main page at anchor.fm where this podcast is hosted, there is a button there where you can leave a voice message Uh, If you have questions or comments, uh, you can go ahead and do that. I'll uh, certainly listen to those, and some of the best will be played back on a future edition of Andy Mazur, the podcast. Certainly hope you enjoyed this edition, and we'll uh, get to you again soon here, perhaps next time with a review of the World Series, which will be over by uh, this week, of course. Uh, Maybe some more Bears talk as well. You never know what you might get. We'll certainly keep you updated and let you know when the next edition drops. Until then, have yourself a great week, and thanks again for tuning in. 